Is this chicken what I have or is this fish? What are you? An idiot sandwich. Idiot sandwich what? An idiot sandwich, Chef Ramsay. I was rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. How dare you? Congratulations, you're a meathead, son. But you know what? Don't ever put your hands in my underwear. This is the lamb Where's the lamb yeah, I mean, you really don't make friends around here, do you? I... I didn't come here for that. Is this chicken what I have, or is this fish? What are you? An idiot sandwich. Idiot sandwich what? An idiot sandwich, Chef Ramsay. I was rooting for you! We were all rooting for you! How dare you! Congratulations, you're a meathead, son, but you know what? Don't ever put your hands in my underwear. This is the lamb Where's the lamb Offended. Yeah, I mean, you really don't make friends around here, do you? I... I didn't come here for that. Hi everyone! Welcome back to Snap Back to Reality, the podcast dedicated to the trash TV we grew up with and love to hate. I'm your host Riley Ennis and this is episode 43. Welcome back everyone! I know that we had a little bit of a break there for the holidays, turned into a bit longer than longer of a break than what I was planning for, so here's what happened. I said that I was going to take two weeks off, then put out sort of like a New Year's Eve retrospective sort of thing. Then partway through my break, or before I even started the break really, I was like, maybe I don't want to do a retrospective. Maybe I'll just do a surprise like bonus episode on Christmas. So that's what I had tentatively planned to do. And then what actually happened, as all things, you know, that you plan, it fell apart. I ended up getting sick over Christmas and on New Year's. I was, yeah, sick from like, Christmas Eve through the end of that weekend. I had a a cold, an upper respiratory infection or something. Um, So I was just like laying in bed. I wasn't feeling good, just watching TikToks and YouTube gourmet makes for like 12 hours a day. And then on New Year's, I was feeling better. And then I got hit with my first UTI in like six or seven years. I used to get UTIs all the time, but I haven't haven't had one in, yeah, at least six years. Uh, So it came out of nowhere. That was super fun. So I spent New Year's Eve just sitting on my bathroom floor drinking water and like wanting to cry from the pain. So that was great. Um, So obviously I wasn't feeling great. I didn't really want to do anything other than just like lay around. And I think that I needed that because I feel like I've kind of just been go, go, go ever since June of this year. Just like so much has happened. So much has changed. I really haven't had any time off other than when I was on vacation, but that was like, you know, with my family. So it really wasn't like time off because I had to be on. So this is the first time I really had to just like relax for a few days in a row. And my body was like, yep, thank you, bitch. And just took me out. (laughs) So that's, yeah, that's what happened. Um, I am still a little bit sick. I'm, you know, I'm like 95% better, but I still have a little bit of congestion. So I might be clearing my throat a little bit um, or pausing to cough. I actually switched. I had been trying to record in my office in my pop, my very comfortable Papazon chair on my phone and I kept recording the intro and then realizing that I had to like stop and cough and I was like okay if I'm going to do this I just want to do this on the computer in audacity so I could just like pause and restart and not have to like fuss with recording a whole new track like you have to do when you're on the phone. So bear with me. But I'm feeling good. I'm feeling better. I, you know, I made some New Year's resolutions and one of my resolutions was to just like put more of a focus on the podcast, really just reinvigorate it. Um, so I'm feeling good. I'm, I'm ready to do that. So we are going to start our reinvigoration process with a show that I am so excited to talk about. I truly, I feel like 
If I had the time and the energy to do this, I could absolutely write like a feminist media critique of this this reality show. It's something that I watched originally, not when it was airing, but actually surprisingly shortly after it aired. So we are talking about Bridal Plasty. I don't know if anyone is familiar with the show Bridal Plasty because it was kind of niche. It was definitely niche um, and it was never really big. But basically, I watched it on Christmas break. I think it was it was either 12, 2012 or 2013. I don't exactly remember which year it was. I know that it was either my freshman or sophomore year of college because I watched it on the recommendation of a friend in my Russian class. Shout out to Helen. <laughs> um, and I only had Russian with Helen those first two years of college. So I know it was Christmas break one of those two years. It originally aired in 2010. I remember when I was watching it, it seemed like it was so far removed in the past, but it had only happened like a year or two prior to that. So that's kind of crazy. But I remember being like just blown away by how absurd the premise is, but also by how like actually amazing the story editing and like the, the overall character development and the overall just like narrative plot of the season I just remember thinking this is so like good this is so cinematic it just had such a good quality narrative like narrative is that does that make sense but I don't know I just feel like whoever the story editors were on Bridal Plasty really knew what the fuck they were doing or the producers who were like on set really knew how to push the contestants to say what they needed to say I mean, there are certain parts where it's like obviously quite scripted because I don't think these people would be saying these things of their own volition. I think it's the producers telling them what to say. But all of the contestants do deliver the lines in a way that's pretty convincing. Anyway, I'm just happy that when I rewatched it to talk about it, my, I it's all the same feelings. It's, it's exactly how I felt when I first watched it. It's just as good. It holds up holds up you'll see what I mean in a second or by the end of this episode at least but it's yeah it's still so so good and I I, I don't want to exaggerate and I don't want I don't want people to like feel like I'm overhyping this but I do truly think that this is in my opinion at least the greatest reality tv show that's ever existed all right so the premise of the show Bridal Plasty if you are not familiar it followed 12 engaged, some who were already married, um, but, you know, had small weddings. Uh, 12 women competing for the wedding of their dreams, along with plastic surgery procedures. So basically, these 12 women lived together in a house. Each week, there was a series of challenges. The winner of each week's challenge would win a plastic surgery off of their plastic surgery wish list. And then at the end, the last bride standing won every plastic surgery on her wish list and a dream wedding and so the show it was like I said in 2010 it originally premiered on E! November 28th 2010 it only ran for one season um it was hosted by Shanna Mochler obviously this show was hugely criticized um not only for its embrace of like plastic surgery cosmetic surgery um but also for the like bridal aspect of it there was just so much going on uh so I have some quotes the American Society of Plastic Surgeons um said that it was pushing the limits of medical ethics because they prohibit performing procedures as a prize for a contest like they're like that's not cool Jezebel described the show as an unhealthy and dangerous self-parody of reality tv 
And Dr. Gary Brody, the professor emeritus of plastic surgery at the University of Southern California, called it a bad idea on two counts. Um, one, they're rush rushing a surgery, which is dangerous, and more importantly, it's totally unethical to offer plastic surgery as the result of winning a contest. So here's the thing. <clears throat> here's the thing. If we're going to talk about this show, we just have to accept the plastic surgery aspect of it. I know that it's a lot. There's a lot to unpack here. Like there's that's kind of why I love this show is there's so there's so much to un unpack on so many levels. So okay, we just have to accept the plastic surgery. We know that it's problematic. Yes, it's extremely problematic. All of the women who are competing on this show, the vast majority of them are already white, uh, thin, conventionally attractive, Eurocentric. They fit into the model of Eurocentric beauty standards to the point where like even one says to the other, like, I didn't even know why you were here because you're so gorgeous. They're not people who would, who the average everyday American would look at and think like they quote unquote need plastic surgery to look more attractive. And, you know, they're obviously all caught up in the horrible like self body image that the media produces that they are compelled. But let's move past that, right? Here's the thing. They already knew what they were getting into. They already obviously had these like insecurities that they wanted to do away with, I guess. I deal with via plastic surgery rather than like self reflection and therapy, but whatever. Okay, just accept it. That's, do you see what I'm saying? You have to just accept that to move forward and truly enjoy the television show for what it is. Because once you get past that, it is like the greatest psychological, strategic alliance, like everything that people love about those types of reality shows where there's like plotting and there's backstabbing and there's playing, there's like the one level of playing the game, but then there's like the under, like the other level of playing the game, if you know what I mean. I think that, this is not given enough credit in terms of like, you know, when people talk about Survivor and Big Brother and the scheming and plotting and things like that, there is so much that goes on in just this one season. There's so much of that, it's done so well. It's also done like extremely, like unsubtly, I guess, when the audience, as far as the audience watching it goes, like we're all very aware of what's happening. It's explained to us. We can see the machinations of everything happening. Cause I think that that's something that certain reality shows will suffer from is that they'll have this whole undercurrent of plotting and scheming and alliances and communications but the the people participating will kind of try to hide that because if you're doing that you know openly to where the cameras can see you other people can find out about what's going on so I think sometimes there are things that are left unsaid in certain reality shows just because they're not captured but like none of that it's all very open for the cameras they all lay out exactly what they're planning in their talking heads and another thing is that i don't think there get like i don't think there's enough credit being put on the fact that this is all women who are doing this because i think a lot of times on these other shows when the media or the viewers or whoever are having a conversation about these strategies and alliances and things that are happening, a lot of the times the focus is like on the men who are leading it. Like I'm just thinking, you know, in my experience, I'm just thinking about the first season of Survivor and how Richard was the one who was sort of like the scheming plotter who, you know, formed the alliances and things like that. And it, that a lot of this is just by virtue of there being multiple genders in a show rather than this just being, you know, obviously just women. 
but I think that that's something to be said. I just think it should be pointed out that it's it still has all of all of what people love, all of the deviousness and the scheming and the backstabbing. And, you know, women can pull it off too, just as much as men can. I also think that there's a lot of really good, like, reality TV moments that happen here. Like, there's a speech in um, one of the episodes. I really wanted to do that episode, but the, this, the one that I chose, I think I, I chose the right one. But there was a speech where the villain of the season basically like double crosses someone and then like calls her out on it in the elimination ceremony and even says to her like you know you should think of me as a a mentor and as your mentor you didn't do the manipulations correctly and that's why you're going home it was just so good the characters are so good it has like a really strong um like two established narrators of the season and then when one narrator ends up leaving like there's another person who steps up like that's the natural step into the 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 narrator role, for lack of a better term. I just think it's done incredibly well. That being said, uh, it did not do very well when (laughs) it was originally airing. The season premiere was watched by 900,000 viewers, and as the season progressed, that sank to about 600,000 viewers per episode, which was uh, described as dismal. So it didn't do very well. I think that upon reflection, it's incredible. But I also think that you have to just put certain you just have to accept the things that are problematic about it just outright accept it know what you're getting into and then move up move forward from there so there is one other thing that's sort of a part of the background of the show that I do want to touch on before we really get into the recap um and that's just an acknowledgement of something that happened to one of the contestants I won't be touching on her on the where are they now because she goes home prior to the episode that we are going to discuss But one of the um, women who competed on Bridal Plasty, her name was Lisa Marie Nagler. She was murdered in December 2016 by a man who she was in a romantic relationship with. Um, It looks like she was uh, cheating on her husband with this man. He was a few years, not a few years, I think he was significantly younger than her. Um, I think that he was, she was like a teaching, like a nursing professor or a nursing lecturer or something. And he was a student in one of her classes and they struck up a romantic relationship as the class progressed or after it ended. Um, But basically, he did end up murdering her. He has been convicted. He's been sentenced to 26 years to life in prison. But that's just something that I did want to go ahead and bring up because, you know, I think that it it should be touched on. Lisa Marie should be remembered for who she was. Um, And yeah, it's just a really sad thing that did happen many years after the show aired. All right, so on that bummer note, (laughs) we'll go into why I chose this episode in particular. It was really hard because, like I said, like every episode of this show is incredible. Um, I almost chose the one that, like, where the villain, her name is Janessa. I'll go ahead and just tell you. Janessa gives the speech, but ultimately I I chose the one that I did for a few reasons. So the biggest reason, I think, was just that it has a few other connections to other reality shows. And you know that I love that. I love seeing, like, the interconnected web of reality TV. Um, it also has, well, so the thing about this show, like I mentioned, they compete for plastic surgeries in each episode. So they show plastic surgery in each episode. If you're the type of person that's into that, this then this, like, truly has everything. I personally don't like that. I am pretty squeamish, so I don't like to watch the plastic surgery scenes. Um, So I just kind of would like turn away when those were happening. It was never for like a very long time. 
and not all of it was really disgusting but there were certain little things especially the nose jobs those were kind of the worst to watch uh so this this episode doesn't have like a really horrible plastic surgery scene it's like very easy to like get through um so that's another reason why I wanted to chose it and it also just still has great examples of the strategizing and the alliances and like the backstabbing and things and that's really what I want to touch on because I feel like despite despite the fact that it was so sensational because it was like women competing against each other for plastic surgery what is really the most interesting part of the show itself is like these interpersonal relationships and the inner workings of like the women living together in this house. So this is episode eight. It's called A Lie is a Lie is a Lie. So we get the previously on first. The previous challenge had the future mother-in-laws come and visit and help the girls participate in like a photo scavenger hunt challenge. Um, The person who won was Dominique. Her procedure was getting veneers. Lisa Marie and Kristen were the two who were up for uh, elimination. Allison was the person who was the deciding vote and voted for Kristen rather than Lisa Marie, even though she was friends with both girls and it was a really painful decision. Um, And Janessa's vote didn't matter, but Janessa, who I mentioned earlier, is the villain of the season, still took the time to give a speech uh, basically to tell Lisa Marie that Allison told her what Kristen had said, um, something about like she's a cockroach who won't die because... Lisa Marie kept ending up in the bottom and kept getting saved because she was part of the alliance that Janessa had formed. Um, So Janessa did this specifically as a strategy to weaken Allison and Kristen's relationship to sow the seeds of discord so that Kristen was aware that Allison told Janessa what Kristen had said to her. But it kind of backfired because Allison just ended up getting um, fired up to beat Janessa because she thought that was a really shitty thing for her to do because all it ended up doing was uh, hurt Lisa Marie. So we get the theme song and then it opens up. It's in the recovery room. Janessa is alone. So Janessa previously, a few episodes ago, had gotten a nose job. And then whenever the girls get plastic surgeries, they stay in the recovery suite for a few weeks, weeks, days. I don't know how long filming actually is, but, you know, weeks in the time of the show. So she tells us in her talking head that she's really stressed out because Lisa Marie is out of the competition. Um, She knows that she'll have to compete in the next challenge and she is feeling kind of weak um, since she's been on medical leave for two weeks so she's worried about how she'll perform. Now before I get into anything further I do just want to pause and talk about their talking head interview setups. This is another reason why this is the greatest reality television show (laughs) of all time. So a ton of the girls end up getting nose jobs as they're like when they win their challenge and they win their plastic surgery procedure. So for like the vast majority of these talking heads, like most of these girls have tapes like on their nose and it's like various stages of taped up. So there's like when they're all like fresh out of the recovery and their eyes are all puffy and like black eyes and they have these huge like tapes and splints on their nose. And then like as time goes on, you can see like the tape gets smaller and smaller and smaller. But also, they have before and after pictures. So after they get, I guess, their first procedure, sometimes, not always, but a a significant enough amount of time, whenever they do talking heads, they'll have these little, like, 
floating before and after shots behind them. So, you know, if it's a nose job, you just see the nose. But one of the women, Kristen, gets a boob job as her first plastic surgery procedure. So you're just seeing these, like, naked titties (laughs) on the screen behind her head while she's, like, talking about her strategy to win the competition. Of course, the nipples are blurred, but it's still, like... And just the angle, it's taken at, like, boob angle, like, boob height you know, it's just a straight on picture of boobs. So they look even bigger. Like just the angle makes them look so much bigger than they already are. All right. So Janessa's in the recovery suite. Dr. Debro is the resident plastic surgeon. He's the one who does all of the like cosmetic procedures. Um, for people who get dental procedures, there is a specific like dental surgeon. But Dr. Dubro, if you are familiar with reality TV, you should know his name. He has been on a ton of reality television shows. Um, he was on the, the Swan, Botched, Good Work. And then he is the husband of, I think she's Heather, right? Heather Dubro, who's one of the Real Housewives, Orange County, I think. I haven't gotten to that Real Housewives franchise yet. So tell me if I'm wrong, but I think I'm right. Um, so he's like one of our connections, one of our many connections that happen to various other reality TV shows. So he comes in to check on her. Uh, he tells her that he's taking the splints out of her nose today, which was like previously from some of the other girls that had gotten nose jobs established as one of the most like uncomfortable parts of the recovery. So we see some pretty like grody shots of these splints being like pulled out of her nostrils. And of course it looks like horrifying cause like they're so long and you're like, oh, they were like in her brain. Um, And then as this is happening, we get a voiceover from Janessa talking about how vulnerable and weak she feels, which is interesting because this is truly like, I think probably the only time she ever really shows vulnerability and like specifically says like outright, like I'm feeling really vulnerable. She says that she can't control the voting in the house anymore. She can't control her pain and she can't control what the next challenge is going to be and how she's going to perform. So we even see like her crying after Dr. Debro takes the splints out and he like, you know, mops up her tears a little bit. Um, So it's kind of interesting that it just comes at this place in the season. I feel like if we hadn't, if we hadn't gotten a little bit of Janessa being vulnerable right here, she would just be like, uh, I don't know, people, she would be too much almost, but this makes her just human enough that like we can continue to be invested in her. Um, You know, we want her to like, We want to hate her, but we also want her to go far because she's like the most interesting person on this show. So it cuts over to Allison and Kristen talking in the kitchen. Um, Allison is basically talking about how she's really upset about what Janessa did at the previous elimination ceremony. Uh, She says in a voiceover that she wants her to apologize and realize that she did something wrong, but mm, that ain't gonna happen, girl. And Kristen is concerned because, you know, she knows that Chris, that Janessa hasn't liked her from day one. So this is sort of what I was talking about where there were the two narrators that happen in this season. Um, Janessa, obviously, being the villain, gets like a ton of screen time, a ton of talking head. She's always telling us what her plot is, like what she's going to do, what her strategy is going to be. But... Kristen has sort of been the foil to her. So Kristen has really presented herself as like the good guy, even though upon my second time watching this show, she definitely is not all that great. Like she does some shitty, shady things, but she usually comes clean and she has generally just a very bright, happy sort of attitude that she sort of just becomes the protagonist by default. So Kristen has sort of been the one narrator of the season. Janessa has been the other. Really like the the overall thread, the overall plot 
the story of this specific season was told via their talking heads. But um, this kind of represents, this episode I feel like kind of represents the passing of the baton to Allison. Oh, and yeah, I said also her talking head is ridiculous because we just see her giant titties from her breast implant surgery. Okay, here's one other thing that I did want to say. Something that I learned about very recently, only within the past few weeks, is breast implant illness. I don't know if anyone's ever heard of this, but this is something that is really becoming more and more, I guess, talked about by people who have had breast implants. Since it was such a, like, I feel like it was such a big thing, you know, 15 years ago in the early mid-2000s, boob jobs were talked about all the time. And now that people have had, you know, these implants for a decade plus, they're starting to realize that it can cause a lot of chronic health issues. So I'm just hoping that since it's been, you know, 10 years since this girl got her boob job, I hope that she's gotten it like taken out or she just isn't experiencing any kind of like negative side effects that um, she might have. So upstairs, it cuts over to Cheyenne crying. Dominique is comforting her. Um, we get a little talking head from Dominique here that tells us that Cheyenne's really homesick. Cheyenne sniffles and says that she misses her fiance Scott and she misses home. And then we get a little cut over to Cheyenne like in the phone room, the requisite phone room that every reality TV house had, talking to her fiance, saying that she thinks she might want to go home. And we see that Kristen is sitting outside the phone room. She can obviously hear her, or at least it's edited to appear that she can hear her. Um, but we do hear Cheyenne's fiance on the phone encouraging her to say, he says that he thinks it'll make them appreciate each other more. And, and then he goes, and when you get home, you'll do the laundry. And she says, she sounds genuinely offended that he said that. She's like, no, babe, I've never done them. That's why you love me. <laughs> it's like, that isn't why he loves you. He does not, I can, I can almost guarantee that you not doing the laundry is not one of the reasons that he loves you. And also, I think, okay, I will say that she, I think, is only like 21. Her and Kristen are both the youngest. I think they're both 21, pretty young, when this is airing. So I can, I guess, give her a pass on the immaturity. But like, learn to do your laundry, girl. So Shayna calls everyone into the living room. She introduces, this is Shayna Moakley, in case I, I mentioned her earlier, is like the host of the show. Um, she's, I believe, Travis Barker's wife, ex-wife. I don't know if they are still together. I think they were together as of the airing of this. Um, she calls them into the living room and introduces them to Shannon Fox, who is described as a celebrity relationship expert. Now, not a counselor, a celebrity relationship expert. In my mind, what I am going to say, I don't know what she actually does, but I just remember in like all of the old Cosmos and like Seventeen magazines, there would be like pictures of different celeb couples and they'd be like, we got a body language expert to tell us what this paparazzi photo means. And it would be like, Jennifer Aniston is walking two steps ahead of Brad Pitt. So that means that she's the one who like really moves forward in the relationship. You can tell by the way that Will Smith is holding Jada that he protects her, like he wants to protect her, like that sort of thing. That's what I take a celebrity relationship expert to mean. And then Shayna also tells them that they have another special guest, or they have other special guests, and bring they bring in Adrian Curry and Christopher Knight. So I believe, I do believe I have mentioned these two before in my Surreal Life episode, my like Flavor of Love, Surreal Life, Strange Love kind of series that I did. 
Um, they are another celebrity couple that I, they have a reality show called My Fair Brady. I cannot wait to talk about them. I cannot wait to go back and do their episode of The Surreal Life or their season of The Surreal Life because that's how they met. They met on reality TV. Like, oh, it's so good. It's just such a tangled web that they they wove in the early 2000s of just everyone being connected. Um, so we get some scenes, I guess, from My Fair Brady of Adrian and Chris interacting. And we get a voiceover from Adrian as this plays out. And she says, Everyone always asks, how is the married life? We go to counseling twice a week and we fight at least three times a week. Married life is fabulous. And it's no surprise that these two are divorced now. Their marriage did not last. I know it's shocking to everyone, um, but yeah. So the Curry Knights come out and everyone cheers. Um, we get a little talking head from Allison. She just tells us that she loves Adrian Curry. She has her Playboy cover hanging up in her bathroom. She has all of her Playboy issues. So she's a, a big Adrian fan. Um, I don't know if she watched her season of America's Next Top Model. She doesn't mention that. Just her Playboy appearances. So Shayna says that this is one of the most honest couples that she knows. And then Adrian goes on to say that honesty in, in relationships is incredibly difficult, especially when dealing with a man because their natural tendency is to be completely dishonest. Um, everyone laughs and claps. Janessa says, ha yes to that. So I'm just like, ooh, but okay, whatever. Um, Shayna says that they are going to bring in some more special guests and then one by one each of their fiancés walk in. They're all blindfolded so they can't see them because the whole premise is that they don't see the fiancé if they win the, um, if they win the overall game, competition, I guess that's the word I'm looking for is competition, uh, that they're not going to see their fiancé for four week, four months rather, while they get all of their plastic surgeries done and then the first time that they're supposed to see their fiancé is like at the end of the aisle on their wedding day. Yes, it's fucked up. I know. We have to move past it, you guys. So all of the fiancés walk in blindfolded. Um, we see, like, each of the women come up and, like, hug the fiancé. It's all very cute. Uh, Kristen's fiancé, BJ, gets a lovely talking head where he talks about how excited he is to see Kristen's new boobs because he knows she got the boob job. Um, one of the things that is... Uh, you know, kind of the thing that was brought up was just that Janessa's reaction to seeing her fiance is very muted. Um, Kristen says that it's kind of weird. She's just like, oh, hey, you're here, whatever. Um, and then another thing that I did notice is that Cheyenne, you know, bless her. She tries her best. She she sort of misspeaks when she's in her talking head talking about when she saw her fiance. She says that her heart drops when I think she meant like it skipped a beat like or like you know I got butterflies in my stomach because your heart dropping is when something bad happens not when something like is so exciting and wonderful. Uh, Cheyenne and Scott talk a little bit about how they've never spent a night apart before this. This was like the first time they'd ever been away from each other. Um, Adrian again has to say something she's like wow that's amazing I'm like get the hell away from me and again like not really that surprising that they're divorced now. So they proceed to have a little like group therapy, I guess, with Shannon, the relationship expert. Um, she says that honesty is one of the most crucial aspects of a marriage. No duh. And again, Adrian, Chris doesn't say anything. Chris says like one thing at the very end. It's all Adrian talking. Uh, she chimes in and says that the few times her marriage almost ended was because her husband was not being honest with her. Um, she said things like, you know, talking to, to exes and not letting her know. And he's like, I didn't think you needed to know, but I've learned my lesson now. You beat it out of me. 
Like, ooh, it's, it's not. It's not a good sign for their relationship. Shannon lists off the things that couples should talk about before getting married. Um, money is the big one, obviously. Sex and chores. So I did notice in this second watch through as I was taking notes that when she's describing, yeah, it's actually really important to talk about chores and how they're going to be divided up. Um, I noticed that the camera panned over to Cheyenne and Scott and Scott kind of like leaned down and kissed her on the shoulder in sort of a like, do you hear that, sweetie, sort of way. And Cheyenne just is like grimacing. So then each of the couples kind of get, they like get asked questions. Um, so Shayna asked Janessa how her relationship is. And Janessa immediately is just like, let me just shove you right under the bus, fiance. Because she says uh, that they have some of what Adrian was talking about with the lying by omission. Um, I don't think that he was like, I, I just, I don't see Janessa's fiance as being the type to like be talking to other girls behind her back and like not telling her. I feel like it's probably just like, where were you when you like, you didn't get home from work until 7.15 today and usually you get home at 6.50. Like, why did it take you 20 extra minutes? Like that sort of thing. And him being like, oh honey, traffic was really bad. When he's like, oh my God, I stopped to get a beer with my friend. Like that kind of, I could see him lying by omission about that kind of thing, but not like really serious stuff. Um, Allison says in a talking head here that she thinks Janessa is probably pretty controlling in her relationship. Um, just, just so everyone's aware, because it's going to come up later on, the only reason that Janessa is engaged is because she gave her fiancé an ultimatum and said that if he didn't, if there wasn't a ring on her finger in 30 days, she was walking. And it worked. <clears throat> um, Cheyenne says that she and her fiancé trust each other 100%. They have all of the passwords to each other's accounts, which seems excessive to me. I feel like if you trust each other that much, you don't need their password. Um, and then they talk about sex a little bit uh, and Adrian basically just says like don't fake orgasms because then he won't know what actually feels good for you which is good advice. Shayna asks Adrian and Chris if they have any more advice. Um, Adrian's advice is just like you're single until you're married but then after that like everything needs to be shared which I feel like is not very good advice actually because I feel like what she's implying is like you need to talk about things and be honest after you get married. But I feel like if any one of these women had their fiancés lying about something or cheating on them or something prior to their wedding and their excuse was, hey, you're single till you get married, I don't think that would fly. Um, and Chris, his advice is just that they should keep the bathroom door shut, you know, keep a little mystery, which is also not bad advice. And then Adrian and Christopher dismissed and that's all that they had to contribute to this episode. So Shayna tells them that it's time for their next challenge. Um, the stakes are especially high this time around because the winner of this challenge is going to be guaranteed a spot in the finale. So basically the way that the plastic surgeries would work, I think I kind of, I think I mentioned this earlier in the episode, but they would compete the challenges. The winner would win their plastic surgery. They'd immediately go off and get their plastic surgery done. And then for the next two weeks, they would be like on medical leave basically. So they wouldn't vote in that immediate elimination ceremony that happens that same episode. And then the next week, they are also not going to compete, but they vote. Hopefully that makes sense. It's kind of confusing. But basically, it just works out so that the person who wins this challenge won't be up for elimination again until, or won't be able to be up for elimination again until the finale. So 
She tells the couples that they are going to be taking lie detector tests and introduces them to my boy, John Grogan, polygraph expert to the stars, or at least to the reality TV stars. I don't know if I have mentioned him before on this this podcast. I feel like I might have if we've done an episode that had a lie detector in it in the past. But basically this is the like the lie detector person. Like if you see a lie detector test on a reality show, it's this guy. He he's just he's iconic, man. I just I love him. And I was like Googling him. I was Googling him. And there was like some I guess blog that's run by a person who has a lot of faith in polygraph tests and the integrity of polygraph tests and he's like John Grogan is is a quack polygraph tester he has no integrity and I'm just like okay everyone already knows that lie detector tests are like not really real because they can be very easily manipulated and the the results don't really mean anything but this guy like really wanted to stand up for the integrity that that does exist. I guess there's honor amongst thieves, whatever. Um, but he he does not approve of John Grogan's method of polygraphing, I guess we'll say. So Shayna tells the couples that they're each going to be hooked up and asked 10 questions. Um, the couple with the lowest number of lies will win. And then the couple with the highest or the two couples with the highest number of lies will be the bottom brides and they're going to be up for elimination. And everyone's going to be watching the others take their tests uh, via the TV in the living room. So since Dominique won last week, she is still on medical leave and she doesn't have to compete. Um, even though her procedure was like just veneers, which I feel like does not take two weeks to heal. I could be wrong. I don't really know anything about veneers. So let me know if I am. But <laughs> I, I, I know that it's just because it's already been previously established that if you are get your plastic surgery you have like medical leave for two weeks but it's just funny to me it's like oh you're on medical leave gotta protect those teeth and heal um although I have to say it must be nice to just like be able to cuddle with your honey on the couch for however long all of this takes and not have to worry about competing and potentially being up for elimination no stress Shayna asks John if he has advice for the couples and he says if you lie I'll know it instantly which is not really advice but okay so Cheyenne and Scott are up first um there's a little bit of a funny moment where she gets up off the couch and like just starts to walk away without him without realizing that he's still blindfolded and obviously needs her to lead him so they go into the darkened room and I wonder I'm I wonder to myself in my notes here I was like why are lie detector tests always taken in dimly lit rooms is it just to add drama or is it like for a reason probably for a reason but I'm going to pretend it's just to add drama um so they get hooked up to the polygraph John starts asking the questions here's the deal we are like I already said lie detector tests are already like not very reliable I'm sure they are wonderful for reality tv because it makes it incredibly easy to skew the results to like edit things around and you know have one answer go with a different question and then have like you know John's yes or no thumbs up or thumbs down indicator go with like a completely different thing than what was said I'm sure they love this but also I do want to say that um John the polygraph expert his questions are all extremely vague I mean I guess not extremely vague but they're they're the type of question where like it could go either way where it's like you're asking like is something true but it could be in one case and not in another I'll explain as we like hit those questions but it just like this 
it was incredibly obvious to me watching this that this is not like a real lie detector test and I I feel like it must be incredibly stressful to do this because how is anyone gonna win like how how are you gonna know if you won because even if you're honest or if you think you're being honest like he could say you're lying and it could be you know whatever so some of the questions for each couple um or like some of the dramatic things that happened uh he asked Cheyenne if she had ever had any hesitation about marrying Scott she says no but she gets a thumbs down from John indicates that she's lying I don't see how that's true she's like obsessed with him um he asks Scott if Cheyenne should help out more around the house he says yes John gives a thumbs up so he's not lying Cheyenne looks really pissed um Scott apparently doesn't like his mother-in-law he gets like a thumbs down to that question so here's the thing that I was talking about earlier so uh, John asked Cheyenne if she thinks that she should do her own laundry. She hesitates, but she says yes. But she gets a thumbs down for this, so she allegedly was lying. So here's the thing. He asked, do you think you should have to do your own laundry? I feel like it's ambiguous because I feel like deep down in her heart, she knows that she is a grown-ass woman and she should do her own laundry. But she also, I feel like, as long as Scott is willing to do mine, I don't really want to and I don't have to. So it's like one of those things where it's like, it's, the question should have been, do you want to start doing laundry? Or do, I, I don't know, maybe that shouldn't have been the question. I just, it just feels ambiguous because she hesitated. She had to think about what her answer was. And I feel like she was being truthful in the sense that like, yes, I know that I should do my own laundry, but she still gets dinged for it. So at the end, um, we're told that there were five lies detected during their go around. Which is half the questions. You guys need to be more honest with each other. So Allison and John are up next. Allison says that they're going to be brutally honest. She's in it to win it. You know, they'll just be honest and we'll work it out later. Um, so she's, and she, she is, she is brutally honest. She says yes to thinking that he doesn't contribute enough financially. She gets a thumbs up for that. He says yes to thinking that she's not working hard enough to lose weight. He gets a thumbs up for that. Um, Allison admits to not being satisfied with her sex life but then she does say in a talking head so she does kind of get to to justify it here uh, that it used to be great but now it's only because like it's now there are problems surely because they're under like a ton of financial stress. Allison's whole backstory is that she and her fiance had been engaged for like three or four years I think between either three or five years I think it was three years. Um, they had both had, you know, good jobs. Uh, they had had their wedding planned twice and then just things kept happening. I don't remember exactly what happened because I don't think it was both time that they just lost their jobs. At one point they like both lost their jobs. They had no money to like get by. They lost all of their deposits on the wedding because, you know, they couldn't get it back and they had to cancel. So their wedding has fallen through like twice so far. So that is why they're having sexual problems. I can understand. Um, John gets the first lie. He gets a thumbs down to thinking his fiance is lazy or like he's he gets asked if he thinks his fiance is lazy. He says no. He gets a thumbs down for lying. He also gets a thumbs down to saying um, he's not jealous of his exes. Her exes? She Maybe she's not jealous of his exes? I did not label the pronouns correctly when I wrote this sentence but whatever there were only two lies detected on uh, their go-round. Next up is Kristen and her fiance. His name is Brandon, but he gets called BJ by her and his mom. So I'm gonna call him BJ because that's, you know, we're familiar like that. 
Um, so she says in her, here, here, here's what she says. She says, what if I say something, or she's in her talking head, but she's like, what if I say the correct answer to something and he tells me it's a lie? Probably. It probably happened to Cheyenne. Um, so she does admit to being jealous of his ex. Uh, John asks if BJ's mom wanted him to marry an ex instead of Kristen. He says no, but he gets a thumbs down. There are like gasps from around the room from the people who are watching. Kristen also gets dinged for lying about his mother-in-law being too involved in his life. Um, and then also, BJ admits to not being satisfied with their sex life, which Kristen says in the talking head is kind of a shock. Um, so one of the earlier challenges, like things like one of the first challenges that they have in the beginning of the season is that uh, the women are asked to write vows, like pretend wedding vows basically, and make five specific promises for their fiancés. And then the the men were Skyped by production and they were asked like what five things do you want your fiance to vow to you and then the people who matched up the most won. So one of Kristen's that time around was um, I vow to have sex with you six times a week and like his he they got it right like they counted it as a, a win for her but like his one of his things that she, he wanted her to vow was like have sex with me whenever I want. So this guy is like voracious and maybe he should just calm down a little bit. Um, at the end of their little lie detector round, it says that they have four lies detected. Next up is Janessa and LJ. Um, so one of the first questions that she gets asked is, do you manipulate your fiance? She says no. She gets told that that was a lie. In a talking head, she later justifies it as negotiating with him rather than manipulating him, whatever that means. Whatever you need to sleep at night, girl. Um, and then another one that happens that's great uh, He's asked, would you have asked Janessa to marry you if she hadn't given you an ultimatum? And he says yes and gets a thumbs down to that. So a little bit of a yikes there. Uh, also, Janessa admits to thinking that she's smarter than him, but eh, whatever. Like that's like the least shocking thing that she says. Um, lies detected three for those two. So that's it. Shayna gives everyone their scores. Allison and John win. So Allison is the top bride. She gets to have her next plastic surgery immediately and then she's made it into the finale. Um, so she has kind of a sweet talking head where she's sort of like crying a little bit and she says that she won. So like I said, they had a lot of bad luck. They lost their jobs. They missed out on their wedding. So she started to refer to her fiance as Mr. Bad Luck Guy. Um, but then like she's like oh my Mr. Bad Luck guy is actually good luck because he's the one who helped me win so it was kind of sweet. So then that means the two bottom brides are Cheyenne and Kristen. Um, Cheyenne no sorry Kristen is super upset uh, because she feels like she's definitely going home. Janessa is safe so Kristen can't vote her out. Um, she's up against her best friend in the house which is Cheyenne and she knows that she's lost Allison's vote since Allison won't be able to vote after going through her surgery. Uh, so Everyone has to say goodbye to their fiancés. The boys kind of get let out on like this blindfold like train where they're all like holding one another's hands. Not, I don't know, they're like touching one another's arms, but it's kind of cute. Um, and then Shayna also tells the brides that there is a tradition of grooms receiving gifts. So they each get Movado watches to put in their bridal closets for their husbands. Um, one of the things is like all of the women have a bridal closet with like all of the stuff that they they win or I guess not the stuff that they win but it, like they get something each week from each of the like wedding experts that they talk to to represent one of the things that they will win if they ultimately win the overall competition so 
For example, they have like a bouquet in there to represent like the flowers that they're going to get from this fabulous Hollywood florist. And they have um, like a little miniature cake to represent the wedding cake that they'll get. So they have their watches in there for the groom's present that they'll get. All right, so the challenge is over. Now it's strategy time. Like now it's time for everyone to come together and figure out who's voting for whom and who's going to go home, who's going to get sent home, who needs to say what to like save their ass. So we start with Kristen and Cheyenne talking in the kitchen. Um, Kristen says in a talking head that she's upset not only because she would be going home over her best friend, but also because it's someone who said that she doesn't want to be here. So as we remember from earlier in the episode, Cheyenne was crying. She was really, really homesick and saying that she just wanted to go home. Um, and Kristen overheard her. So Kristen's already frustrated that like she feels like it's inevitable that she has to go home. But she also thinks it's not fair since she like wants to fight to stay to be here. And Cheyenne would be happy just going home with her fiance. Um, so Kristen kind of mopes but Cheyenne tells her like you know you're not don't act like that you don't think you're gonna like you might not go home Kristen's like no I know I'm going to because of Janessa Janessa's always wanted me out of here and Cheyenne says well you know Dominique really likes you like maybe you have a chance uh so Kristen kind of says in her talking head here she's like hmm maybe I do have a chance let me go talk to Dominique and see what I can do we get a short little clip of Allison arriving at the dentist for her procedure. So we, we meet the dentist who is Dr. Worth, uh, basically says that her goal is to make Allison's mouth healthy. Allison has missing teeth where she's had root canals in the past but hasn't been able to afford the crowns for them. So like being able to win this specific surgery is like really great for her. Uh, we cut back really quickly back to the house. We have Dominique and Kristen lying in bed together and talking. And so... Kristen kind of starts out where she's like, "Ugh, I just like, I don't want to have to say anything bad about my friend. And Dominique's like, you don't have to say anything bad about your friend. And Kristen says something to the effect of like, well, I can't really sell myself to you without saying like, I deserve to be here more than Cheyenne. And Dominique says, oh, is there something that you wanted to say in particular? Or was this just in general? And Kristen, and kind of admits that you know well I've never she says specifically I've never slipped up and said that I wanted to go home which makes me think like in her heart of hearts she probably has had those moments when she got homesick and wanted to go home so she's kind of on the same level with Cheyenne it's just that Cheyenne said this out loud but she says you know I've never admitted to wanting to go home and I don't want to go home over someone who does um, she's kind of also says in a talking head that like Dominique's been there for all of Cheyenne's little hissy fits where she wants to go home so she should understand like her desire to like really stay and fight. And so then Dominique you know just kind of has a talking head where she says she doesn't know who she's gonna vote for and that's it. <laughs> that's it I guess. Uh, back to Allison so she and Dr. Worth are looking at her teeth x-rays together um, they're going to clean everything up. They're going to take out as much of the de decay as possible. And then they'll have to put in temporary veneers. The goal, of course, is that Allison would get permanent veneers. I don't know how Dr. Worth thinks that Allison would be able to afford permanent veneers if she doesn't end up winning the overall, like, thing and get getting everything on her plastic surgery wish list. But whatever. So she does sort of gently chide Allison because Allison is diabetic. Uh, so she tells her that you can't have infections like that running wild, but that the care that she's going to receive today should, should definitely help her get back on track, be healthy, and just that she needs to, you know, keep an eye out for that in the future. <sighs> and it's kind of frustrating to hear this because the dentist is speaking from a place of immense privilege. Like, 
Dental care is a luxury in this country. It's really messed up that it's treated like that because your bones, your teeth bones, your mouth bones are actually like super important and really linked to like your overall health. But they get treated like they're just like, you know, fun bonus bones in your mouth that, you know, you have an extra $1,000 to pay for them. That's fine. But if not, like, you'll just have to deal with it. So it's just like kind of frustrating to watch her be like, you really have to like watch out for this lady. If she could have afforded to have her mouth fixed before this, she would have whatever um and she's gonna have to get IV sedation since everything like in her mouth is so messed up for lack of a better word like all the decay is so intense so she gets put under uh we see some of the mouth surgery scenes I guess it's surgery it's like mostly just like drilling and taking teeth out but I guess that's surgery um it's definitely significant significantly less gross than most of the other surgery series ah, I cannot speak it's why did I write this sentence to be a fucking alliteration significantly less gross than most of the other surgery scenes in the series what is wrong with me (laughs) um and also there is this weird 80s synth music that's playing in the background it's I don't know it's strange it's like a strange choice for the music here and I don't think the synth music is ever played throughout the rest of the um the series oh One thing, this is like super random, but since we're talking about the music, at one point they definitely play the Great British Bake Off music. (laughs) And I just, uh, I recognized it just because I watch a lot of Bake Off and I was like, that's Bake Off music. I guess it's just some random royalty free music that you can buy for your, the background of your reality show, but I immediately recognized it. It was funny. So Allison finishes up her oral surgery we see her before and after she looks amazing obviously like getting new teeth can do so much for you it's so good for your health so good for your self-confidence Allison cries when she sees herself in the mirror so that's another reason that I kind of wanted to choose this is because like this is something that she actually really needed like for better or worse like the veneers like the actual aesthetics of it whatever but this woman obviously needed to have her mouth worked on and the decay cleaned out and like her brought back to a level of like general oral health so that's what's great about this is that sometimes it really did give these people an opportunity for something that they absolutely that they absolutely did need to have done so that's awesome there was another person um in the beginning of the season who got eliminated unfortunately she's like one of the first people eliminated which is kind of sad but she is uh a I don't know if she had breast cancer, but she had a lot of cysts and um, lumps in her breast. So she had significant breast biopsies that left her with like scarring and unevenness. And she was really, really self-conscious. Like that obviously affected her quality of life as well. So she's someone who, if she had won a surgery, I would have said like, awesome, like go for it. You deserve this. You need this to like improve your quality of life. It's great that you're able to get this without having to pay for it. Um, So that's unfortunately she was voted off like immediately because people are fucked up but that's how I feel for this as well it's like it's amazing that Allison was given this opportunity to have her mouth like fixed and this is something that like for better or worse like obviously again I'm I've said it 500 times this episode the plastic surgery aspect of things really problematic really fucked up but at least in this case it's something that was like good (laughs) maybe it was like was it worth it overall for like what it did for American culture, maybe not, but for what it did for this one person's life, I think it was great. So back at the house, Janessa is meeting with Dominique because it's time to strategize. So Janessa and Dominique have been in an alliance from like the first day. 
it was Janessa, Dominique, Lisa Marie, who I mentioned previously. She went home the previous episode. And there was another person, I believe. Yeah, Melissa was in their, their clique, their alliance before that. But I think after Melissa left, it was just those three that were consistently in the alliance. So Janessa's, like, been under the impression that, like, you know, Dominique is just going to do what I tell her to. Um, she says that she wants to get rid of Kristen because Cheyenne's getting weaker and weaker. So she thinks that she can beat Cheyenne or they can beat Cheyenne in the next round. But Dominique sort of hymns and haws and she's like, well, you know, Cheyenne might pull through. I don't know. She says something like, you know, she, she's won before and everyone works really hard, but she sort of does this without breaking a sweat, which makes me worry more about her. And then she also goes on to say that like Cheyenne's kind of spoiled rotten and she wouldn't be happy if she ultimately ended up winning the overall wedding because she's going to be able to afford it anyway. And Dominique kind of wants to make sure it goes to someone who deserves it. Um, Janessa is like not having this shit. She's, she says in the talking head, she's like, I'm, I love Dominique. I'm very glad I decided to make her my alliance partner in the beginning, but she needs to get on the same page because we cannot leave the vote in Allison's hand. Because I don't, I don't know if I mentioned this, but the the person who had surgery that day does get to vote in the event of a tie. So there is a tiebreaker thing. Allison's only going to vote if she needs to. Otherwise, Kristen can't count on Allison's vote. So later on, Cheyenne, Janessa, and Dominique are all in the kitchen together. And Janessa sort of like talks to Cheyenne and is asking her why she thinks that she should stay. And so in her talking head, she like lays it all out and says like, I need Cheyenne to vocalize her desire to stay in front of Dominique. So Dominique will be convinced to vote for her and Kristen will go home. This is like her whole plan. She doesn't give a fuck about Cheyenne and what she wants. She just wants her to like fight for it. But Cheyenne's just kind of saying like, well, you know, like I'm not going to say that I deserve it more than her because we both deserve it the same. And she even says in her talking head, she's like, I don't want to throw my friend under the bus. Um... So Dominique sort of is unimpressed. She says in her own talking head that she's that Cheyenne not vocalizing how badly she wants to be there as a red flag. Allison returns home after the surgery. Everyone goes down to meet her and see her new teeth. Um, they're all really excited for her. Uh, Kristen is says she's totally jealous because she also wants to get her teeth fixed. Um, also Janessa says that she's annoyed that Allison has been the top bride not only once but twice and that she can't believe she let this happen which would be annoying to hear someone say like I can't believe this I let this happen but Janessa like literally did let it happen she the first time Allison won her first surgery which was like an arm liposuction thing it was because she had been on a team with Janessa and Cheyenne who they won the challenge there was like a a neutral a quote-unquote neutral third party who was supposed to pick the winner out of those three um the third party being Lisa Marie so everyone thought that Janessa would win because they kind of knew about the alliance but Cheyenne said specifically you know I've already gotten a surgery because Cheyenne had been one of the first to win I think that one of these other two girls should be chosen I can always get another surgery later on um and then Janessa even said I think that you should choose Allison I think that she really deserves it And that was her specifically, like she says, is like strategizing so that she comes off as like a kind and compassionate person and has more like clout with the others later on. Because she's so, she's so manipulative. Like she's so good. She knows how to play the game so well. Um, But that means Allison ended up winning that surgery and was, you know, had a, what's the word I'm looking for? Had immunity for two weeks, which I guess ultimately became Janessa's downfall later on. 
So they're in the recovery suite. Um, Kristen and Allison are talking, and Kristen's basically just giving her the rundown of what she thinks is going to happen at the elimination ceremony that night. She doesn't really know what's going to happen. Dominique is really hard for her to read, and she basically just tells her right out that, you know, my only hope is that it's a tie and that you vote for me, Allison. Allison says that if it does come down to her, she will. Kristen does have her vote. Um, and she's, Kristen's just like, all right, well, convincing Dominique was my only hope. I hope it worked. So let me explain before I get too far about how the elimination ceremonies work. They're called RSVP ceremonies because we are working with a whole wedding theme here. And basically there are these tables that are set up like wedding tables and the bottom brides are you know sitting alone at their tables and each of the other brides has to cast their vote via an RSVP card and decide who they're going to go sit with at their wedding. <laughs> like that's how it's supposed to work. Um, I just wanted to go ahead and set that up before I say something like before I refer to something as an RSVP. I might have already said that. Hopefully that wasn't confusing. So it's before the RSVP ceremony and Kristen and Cheyenne are waiting together Kristen sort of begins to feel guilty about what she had said to Dominique earlier and decides to tell Cheyenne what she'd said. Um, she basically just says like, uh, yeah, I mean, I just, you know, the only thing that I said was that all I can say is that Cheyenne gets homesick. Cheyenne obviously gets really upset about this because she had been like very, you know, had a lot of integrity, I'll say, about not throwing her friend under the bus, like not saying that she deserved it more than her friend did. Um, so she gets really upset. She's like, well, obviously I get homesick. I'm across the country, but I still want this just as much as you. And then Kristen's kind of like, oop, I fucked up. <laughs> she says in a talking head that she didn't realize Cheyenne was going to be so mad. It's like, really, girl? Really? You didn't think that she was going to be mad because you tried to throw her under the bus? Like, come on. So Shana calls everyone down for the RSVP ceremony. Um, Cheyenne and Kristen have to go with her, but the others will cast their votes and put them in the RSVP box. Janessa has a talking head where she says that she hates not having complete control over the situation, so having Dominique's vote up in the air really stresses her out. This is, I guess, probably the first time. I don't know for sure if it's the first time that Janessa was like unsure about which way an elimination would go, but I would say pretty much every single other elimination leading up to this point Janessa had at least a 95% like certainty of how it was gonna shake out because she controlled this voting alliance for so long and she was like the undisputed head of the voting alliance um she was able to absolutely control every other single elimination except for this is really the first time when she's like is Dominique gonna go rogue on me so it's kind of interesting so they are in their little, I guess, like outdoor marquee tent or whatever at their, their wedding tables. Kristen and Cheyenne come in, take their places. Um, the other girls enter behind them. I just love, Allison gets wheeled in in a wheelchair even though she just had her teeth worked on. And again, I don't know shit about getting veneers. I know that if you get a lot of dental work, it sucks, like it hurts. But I feel like you could still walk. Like you don't need to be wheeled in the wheelchair. Maybe she's on a lot of pain pills though and she might like tip over. Who knows? So Janessa goes first. Uh, she basically just says that Cheyenne is a selfless person and that deep down she knows that she does want it. She kind of looks over at Kristen but decides like not to say anything to her and then just goes over and sits next to Cheyenne without saying anything else. And Dominique goes next. Shana tells her that the fates of Cheyenne and Kristen are up to her. And Diane, I did I just call her, I keep calling her Diane because I always say Cheyenne and then I go to say Dominique. And I say Diane. 
Dominique, if I've said Diane, I've tried to edit it out. I've already said it like three times this episode, and I've tried to stop and record over that. But if I missed one, I'm sorry. If I said Diane, I meant Dominique. Okay, what I wanted to say is that Dominique is really cute. Like, she's so sweet, because whenever she does her, like, little elimination ceremonies, she always gives a speech to, like, each girl, and it's always, like, a pep talk, and, like, she's always just, like, really nice and positive to either girl, no matter what. Um, so she tells Kristen that she loves her. She's like, you just shine, girl, even when you're down, even if you're upset or, or mad about something, you're so spirited. And she says, I know that you will have a, a dream wedding. And as soon as she said that, I was like, ooh, she's not going to vote for Kristen because she's kind of just saying, like, you're going to have a dream wedding no matter what because you're that type of person. So then she tells Cheyenne that when she first entered the house, she was like, I don't know why you're there because you're already so beautiful which again is like the case for all of these women they're all beautiful like they're all beautiful women regardless some of them are less like conventionally not even so I still think they're all very conventionally attractive but I don't know it's just ridiculous like they're all they're all beautiful but somehow Cheyenne has been established as like the most beautiful so she basically just says that the reason that she chose the person she chose or she starts to say the reason that she chose the person that she chose but then she can't get it out so she just goes and sit next to Cheyenne so Kristen is going home she says in a little talking head that she's like I, I really didn't want to backstab one of my friends but I kind of did and now I'm going home they still I think you know despite their little like tiff at the end they're still friendly with one another because they kind of share a look Cheyenne starts choking up and Kristen just blows her a kiss it's sweet Cheyenne has a little talking head where she's like you know my first thought was like yes I'm staying but my second thought was like oh no Kristen has to go home so Shayna tells her that her wedding will still go on it just may not be perfect and Kristen is dismissed she goes upstairs she turns the light off in her bridal closet and that's the end now before I totally end this episode I do want to comment on something so at the end of each elimination ceremony, Shayna says to the bride, you know, your wedding will still go on. It just may not be perfect as they leave. It's like the, you know, thing that you say. Um, at the beginning of the season, she said it just may not be perfect. And then a couple episodes into the season, she started saying, your wedding will still go on. It just won't be perfect. And then, like, two episodes prior to this one, she said to um, one of the contestants that was eliminated, her name was Nettie, she was like, your wedding will still go on, it just won't be perfect. And Nettie clapped back and she's like, yes, it will. <laughs> and then I noticed that after that, Shayna went back to saying may not be perfect. So just something I noticed that I thought was kind of funny. All right, where are they now? Surprisingly... Every single person that I'm about to talk to, talk about, not talk to, I did not talk to any of these women, they are all still married. I am shook. Like, honestly, I'm so surprised, especially Janessa. I did not think Janessa was still going to be married. But no, like, I found, like, all of their social medias. Some of them I found on LinkedIn. Some of them I found on Facebook. Some of them I found on Instagram. They're, like, but I all found them, like, up to date, like, up to date social media. They're all still married. So awesome. Good for them. Um, so Allison is still married. She is, uh, she has her kids. She was actually the person who I found the least amount of information on. I don't know what she's doing, but she's still married. She looks like she's doing well. She has her kids and her husband. Um, one of the things I did notice was that she did publicly criticize E's lack of reporting when Lisa Marie went missing in December of 2016 before it was, um, known that she had been, uh, murdered. She did just say, like, it's incredibly, like, 
disrespectful of E to run stories about the Kardashians instead of running a story about this person who is missing that used to be on your television like channel as well. Um, Janessa got married in 2012. She's still married, like I said. She has three children, two boys and a girl. According to her LinkedIn, she is currently the director of sales at Business and Decision North America. Um, one thing I did think was hilarious, I like went through her entire LinkedIn and she has Arbonne still listed on it. If you don't know what Arbonne is, it's an MLM. I'm anti-MLM, like don't participate in pyramid schemes, you guys. Uh, <laughs> but like you are a real ass businesswoman. You're a grown ass woman. You're like a responsible ass business person. You do not need to put your MLM on your, uh, on your LinkedIn. Next is Dominique. Um, she is still married. She has a kid. She is currently a senior recruiting manager at homecare.com, according to her LinkedIn. Looks like she's doing really well for herself. She has, like, no association association with bridal plasty anywhere on her social media. So I was just like, wouldn't it be hilarious if I just, like, DM'd her and I was like, hey, do you want to talk about your experience on that reality show 10 years ago when she's obviously moved past it? Um, so Cheyenne, also still married. She has three kids now, three sons. And what's interesting is like I looked up her Facebook, it seemed really normal. And then I looked at her like, I think it was her Twitter, seemed super normal. And I was like, let me see if I can find her on Instagram. She's like an Instagram influencer. She has like parenting and fitness stuff. She has 57,000 followers, so good for her, I guess. Uh, that was kind of surprising, but there's also like no mention of bridal plasty anywhere on her socials, which is funny. Um, and then last is Kristen, also still married. She has a son. Looks like she owns Champagne Rain Studio, which is like a small business apparel store. Looks like it mostly just focuses on like Disney-inspired apparel, the sort of things where it's like Disney mom, whatever. Good for her. She seems like she's doing well. I'm happy for her. I did look and try to see if her boobs still look like ginormous based on her Instagram or if she's gotten her implants removed and I honestly couldn't tell but I hope she's doing well. I really wanted to like reach out to her and be like hey girl you were my favorite. Uh, how How's life post bridal plasty? But I was like again that would be weird. I didn't follow her on Instagram so who knows maybe she'll like follow me back. <laughs> Probably won't but whatever. All right you guys we got to the end. We made it. Now we get to ask my favorite question. Does it hold up slash is it worth a rewatch? And for this one, I say hell yes. Oh my God. Please watch this show. If you like reality TV, please look up Bridal Plasty. I watched it all on Daily Motion. It has all of the episodes. It's so good. I, I mean, I already went into the reasons why I love it so much and why I think it's so incredible, but just truly, I cannot overstate how good the story editing is. It comes to such a satisfying conclusion. It has like, logical archetypes and they all of the characters like fit well into them but also like even our our villain is great like the villain is so good the entire season but she's also like not so horrible that you just like want her to die <laughs> like they, they humanize her a little bit so I love it I will say <clears throat> the one thing that I'm sad about is that Janessa did not have like a, a deeper reality television show career I feel like she could have she could have used this platform for so much. I would have loved to see Janessa. I don't ever watch The Apprentice, but I would have gone back and watched like the season of The Apprentice if Janessa had been on it. Um, I could have seen her on Big Brother. I could have seen her doing really well on Survivor or no, The Amazing Race. Janessa and her husband on The Amazing Race would have been so good, so good. So I'm sad that she didn't like choose to go further with reality tv because she just has that personality that just makes for excellent reality television um 
but yeah, go back, rewatch this. It's it's excellent. Excellent work on everyone on the production and editing team. Chef kiss perfect. All right, guys, we made it. Thank you so much for being here, listening, for coming back after three weeks of uh, off time. I really do appreciate it. You guys are the best. Uh, please subscribe if you haven't already. Please tell a friend about this podcast. That's one way that you can support me. Um, also, you could leave me a nice rating or review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever it's called now, uh, Stitcher, everywhere. Um, yeah, that would be great. You can find me on Facebook at Snapback to Reality Podcast or Instagram at Snapback to Reality Pod. You can follow my personal Instagram at really underscore Riley, R-Y-L-E-E. Um, and you can email me at snapbackpodcast at gmail.com. I'm really excited for the next few weeks, you guys. I'm just excited to be back at it. I'm feeling good. I hope you are as well. And have a wonderful week. I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye.